falls, as I was mentioning before the break, are the, one of the most serious issues for Canadian seniors. Oftentimes, they end up in hospital. When they do end up in hospital, they end up there longer. It can take away their independence. They can end up having to leave independent living to live in care facilities. And oftentimes, or sometimes, it leads to death. It is a serious situation. We often say, oh, it's just you're getting old. People fall. Well, it's not really the case. There's all kinds of research into it. Um that's going on. One of the most interesting ones is in England, because in England, they did this uh, sort of cohort testing where they actually took about 5,000 people born the same week in 1947, and they followed them. And they're 75 now. They followed them through all these years um, to see what happens to them. So it gives them this huge amount of data that they can look into. So one of the areas that they've been researching is that simple cognitive tests in midlife apparently, and this is after the research they did, could predict the likelihood of falling later in life. Now, one of the most common causes of injury and death, falling later in life. Poor levels of word memory, verbal fluency, processing speed, and cognitive ability in our 50s, turns out, could be early indicators of worsening balance in later life, a condition that increases the risk of falls, injury, and death. That's according to researchers from University College London. The findings also open up this very intriguing possibility that cognitive training in midlife could actually have a positive impact on balance as we age. In other words, it may prevent us from those falls. Joining me from London is Joanna Blodgett. She's a research fellow in the Institute of Sport, Exercise, and Health, and previously with the Unit of Lifelong Health and Aging at University College London. Thank you so much for your time tonight. Thank you, Ben. So this study really set out to look at balance. Uh, I suppose we could start by saying why balance is so important because uh, falls are a huge cause of injury and death in, in, in the elderly uh, in, in both Britain and in Canada. I think falls is the big thing that comes to mind with balance. We know that uh, people who have poor balance are at higher risk of falling, but it, it extends beyond falls as well. So um, we see, we've seen evidence in the UK that people with lower balance in midlife um, they're at risk of, of higher disability, uh, at poor mobility, at, at premature mortality. So there's quite a few different um, adverse health outcomes associated with balance. So when it came to this study, you went out to find if there would be a relation between, you know, essentially, how does balance evolve over the course of one's lifetime? Yes. So um, this, the group that we looked at was a birth cohort. So the UK has a few different of these studies. Um, and it's a study of over 5,000 people born within one week of each other in 1946, so nearly 75 years old, um, and they've been followed up to 20 times throughout their life. And the real advantage of using these birth cohorts is that they're all the exact same age. So we know that any of these outcomes we're looking at, so balance is a great example, is because of whether it's experiences in their life, their biology, their genetics, but not just because somebody is older um, and therefore might have worse balance. So it, it really comes down to what um, what might be associated with uh, with their balance ability. We often think of balance as, as, or at least falls and balance, as being almost purely physical. And in this case, you went out to find whether there was a cognitive aspect to it as well. What did you discover? Yeah, so there there is this common misconception that balance is purely related to strength. So how strong you are is going to determine how good you are at balance. But we actually found that there's a really strong cognitive component. So to be able to balance, it requires our brain to integrate sensory input with motor output. So motor output is maintaining that balance, avoiding a fall. 
And then the sensory input, it comes from three different areas. So the first is vision, what we see. So this might be if we're walking along and we see a curb, um, we, might, we can tell our brain, okay, we're going to need to maybe adapt. The second is our body's awareness of our, our muscles and our limbs in space. So even if you close your eyes and wave your arm in the air, you know it's there. You can kind of have a sense of it. It's to your left, your right, above your head, that type of thing. And then the third is the vestibular system. So this is a system in our inner ear um, that's main focus is, is to monitor our balance, our posture, and feedback to the brain. So it's these three sort of sensory inputs that feed in. Our brain has to integrate that and then give a, a motor response. And that's what allows, um, allows us to maintain our balance and to avoid falling. So when you went back to discover what the link might be between what you were like uh, in middle age, for instance, and what the impact of that may be by the time you hit 75 with this cohort, what did you find there? So what we found is that individuals who performed better on these cognitive tests ended up having better balance, um, balance performance. And what was novel about our study is that we didn't just look at overall cognition, overall intelligence, but we looked at different domains and we found that the strongest associations were for fluid cognitive measures. And, and fluid cognition, you can think of it more as, as your brain is holding and manipulating pieces of information. So this could be a, a memory test um, or trying to use kind of strategy to, to determine um, anything. Whereas the other type of, of cognition generally refers to the crystallized. And this is knowledge you acquire over your life, whether it's through formal education or just through kind of everyday life experiences, it's more factual. Um, so what we, we found was that the better performance in tests like how many animals can you name in a minute or how well can you remember this, a word search, um, those had a much stronger association with balance. Just coming back to what I said earlier about the brain's ability to kind of manipulate this information um, and then give a, a motor output and, and maintain that balanced position. It's fascinating only because it's something you wouldn't think of if you were a layperson to think of the idea of having stronger cognitive skills in your 50s may determine more or less your ability to navigate, you know, an uneven sidewalk in your 70s. Um, what does that suggest, do you think? Yeah, that, that's, a, that's definitely an interesting observation. Um, I think it, it comes back to this misconception um, that I mentioned at the start is that it's all physical. But when I think about aging, I think not just of the cognitive or the physical side, but it's understanding both of them um, in parallel. And it might be that there's some kind of third party underlying cause that might, you know, um, result in poor cognition or poor physical function. Um, but what I think is more likely in the, and what we actually see in, in this group of people we're studying is the integration and the influence of those two. So they're not two things happening in isolation. And this is why we see um, people with Alzheimer's or with dementia, um, they are at higher risk of falling than those without. Um, and for us, that really comes down to the cognitive component um, and the, the difficulties in that one area of health might have on the other. It does raise the very interesting possibility that either A, you could predict better who would struggle later in life, um, or also improve cogn you know, cognitive uh, capabilities for middle-aged people to allow them to better navigate uh, their balance later in life. It does. And um, it's challenging for us right now to make any inferences about these because this is an observational study. So we've observed these, these people. But 
we do see um, some evidence that cognitive training, this could be an app or things like Sudoku, um, that any type of cognitive training that works that improves your cognition also has a positive impact on the physical side, um, whether that's something like balance or mobility. Um, so that's kind of the next step, because if we see that, if it works, then it raises this whole other way to intervene. So if somebody has poor balance and we know they're at risk of falling, yes, maybe we want to prescribe you know, some gyms and balance exercises, um, but improving their cognition um, or you know, prescribing cognitive activities would absolutely be a, a, a great way to kind of complement the physical side. Because it's not just one, it's really... I think it's really important that people recognize that to, to maintain your balance, you do need to have kind of that, yes, that lower body strength, but also um, that cognitive component. One of the reasons I gather that this was important in, in an institute that studies uh, aging and lifelong health is, is just how dramatic falls and balance issues are, not just for the elderly and, and their personal safety and their personal health, but also for the whole healthcare system in general. It is, I gather, a very important issue to work on. It is. And, and what I find quite interesting is this, this conception that falls start at age 65, and we don't need to worry about our health or balance or cognition until age 65, because people assume this is when aging starts. But Aging starts when we're born, um, and we see that in in these birth cohorts because we're seeing um, we're seeing balance decline from earlier in life, and um, we're seeing it decline from age 20, 30. Um, we, we peak much earlier than we realize. Um, and what's interesting is the the fall risk research. We're now starting to realize, okay, there's people in their 40s that are falling, 50s that are falling, and it's not just accidental. It is related to you know, underlying health or risk factors that we normally see in 60, 70, 80 year olds. Um, so it's really important that we kind of shift our understanding of falls earlier, one, two, even three decades earlier and start trying to improve our balance, improve um, or even maintain our cognition at much earlier ages. For listeners who, who may not have heard this off the top, falls are the number one cause of injury-related hospitalization for Canadian seniors, specifically age 65 and older. Uh, that's according to a 2014 Public Health Agency of Canada report. How about half of those uh, re- hospitalizations resulting from a fall in the, are in the home, and it's estimated that 20 to 30% of seniors fall each year. So it's a huge number of people. Where do you take this, this research next, Joanna? What, ha- what happens with it now? So as I mentioned, it's it's still quite a novel area. There's not a lot of people looking at balance and and there's certainly not a lot of people who have the data to look at at balance across um, the life course. So we're investigating a few other things. Um, One of these is trying to understand direction of association. So I mentioned earlier, we have cognitive aging, we have physical aging. They don't happen, you know, independent of each other. They definitely are are impacting each other. So um, we're looking into trying to understand does cognition impact balance or does balance impact cognition? What's the direction of it? And, and our research um, suggests that it is the cognition that is impacting the subsequent balance. Um, so that's really where, where we're seeing the um, association emerge. Um, and then there's one more um, area of research I want to mention that's, um, that's underway, but uh, hopefully we'll, we'll be out soon. Um, and we are using another one of these birth cohort studies to look at balance in early life. Um, and try and see if balance as a child, so age 10, um, if that is 
almost predictive or that is consistent with how well you can balance in midlife. So at a, a younger age, around 40. Remarkable. So you could actually intervene earlier in life to try to pr- improve people's balance with the expectation that maybe, just maybe, that might have a, lo- a lifelong impact. Absolutely. And so this is a chance to, when we think about um, you know, testing children, we test them a lot on, on school tests. We we don't do many tests on the physical side on the kind of coordination and balance. But um, if we see what we expect, which is that those children who are struggling with their balance, having poor performance are still having poor performance 40 years later. Uh, why wait? Why wait until they're uh, 50, 60 to intervene? Why not intervene earlier? Joanna Blodgett, thank you so much for your time tonight. I appreciate it. Thank you, Ben. Have a good night.